in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more. This is Potential Picks. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Taylor Sokol. Today we're doing a double review. We're reviewing the documentary Being James Bond on Apple TV Plus and No Time to Die. The new James Bond film, the 25th film in the James Bond series produced by Eon Productions. This was written by Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, Carrie Joji Fukunaga, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge with Carrie directing. So before we kind of get to the review of the movie itself, just wanted to talk a little bit about being James Bond. This was a cool little 45-minute documentary uh, that was directed by Bailey Walsh. And this kind of just was a, a neat way to look at like the journey so far of Daniel Craig. Uh, and really it's, it's him, Michael G. Wilson and Barbara Broccoli producers of a lot of the movies uh, just kind of going through footage and you just hear their voices and it's like background stuff. But, you know, we kind of talked a little bit on our James Bond episode this week that when Daniel Craig was announced to play James Bond, the world jumped on him in full attack mode and was so against the casting. Yes, there was bland blonde bond blonde bond. It was like this is not our James Bond. It was it was it was pretty fierce. And this is again, you know, still in social media is in its infancy. Casino Royale came out in 2006. 2006. Yeah. So this would have been, you know, at least 2-3 years before that to get filming under wraps and so just the you know, go from Pierce Brosnan era and all of a sudden, this this new form of bond, and oh, how they were so wrong! Um, gladly, were proven wrong. Casino Royale, of course, did very well at that point. It was the most successful bond, and people instantly got the vibe that Daniel Craig was bringing. He was bringing a uh, a, a younger, more tough, street smart version of Bond that um, still had the elegance, still had the sexiness, still had the class, but would get down and dirty when the job was needed. And it was much grittier. You know, the tone of Casino Royale into the, his all of his films are much more grounded and dark than a lot of the previous ones that get a little more ridiculous with the special effects and some of the tech gadgets. So I thought it was really cool to just like hear some of the behind the scenes stuff, especially like, for example, Quantum of Solace. I didn't realize that at that time there was the writer's strike. And so they had to start filming that movie without a finished script which is never a good idea for no. any kind of movie, and that's especially like that, a Bond that, movie. That's like us making a film. We've done that. I mean, <laughs> you think about a Bond film, they really take a lot of care of thinking, all right, what's the plot? What's the villain? What's the Bond girl? What's the action sequences? You know, these aren't just like written to be like, all right, just, you know, just go ahead and make it. A lot of care is put in Casino Royale did so well for them to jump on to do the follow-up movie and not really get to do as well because of, the writer strike and a potential actor strike as well. You can hear that like Daniel Craig still, he still has memories of the film. He still likes it, but you can tell that like overall, even the producers are like Quantum Solace was never going to do as well as Casino Royale because we were, we we're kind of put up against a wall with these, these problems. Um, and then Skyfall was definitely a, a, a huge jump return to formula uh, at this point, the most successful Bond film, you know. Back to formula. Back to formula. 
but you know, just I think he he really has defined his version of Bond. And I think for us being the Bond of our, you know, adult life, you know, yeah. we've mm-hmm. been more adults for his whole time. But probably for me, just you know, he'll always be my Bond because of I followed all five of his films, saw them all in theaters. Yeah. And we were we were old enough to appreciate him and enjoy that series. And so kudos to Daniel Craig for sticking it out to do five films. Of course, you know, after Spectre, it wasn't always that he was uh, ready to do a, uh, one last one. But we do get uh, this final one, No Time to Die. And just to see that, you know, 15 years of playing James Bond, it's been, you know, a huge part of his life. And, um, you know, who knows where they're going to go next with this character. But you can't deny that he he definitely made it his own and defied expectations. We'll put it that way. So we're now going to get into our review for no time to die. And so this is your spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. So of course, at that point, you know, you've heard the first part, but if you've not actually seen no time to die, then you should go see that movie before you listen to this. Cause we will talk about some spoilers, but uh, Taylor, you know, all these movies of bond, with Dana Craig are somewhat sequential. They've all kind of followed each other. There's obviously been Easter eggs and characters that pop in all of them, but what is the kind of base synopsis of No Time to Die? So in this film, culminating the you know five film journey, Bond, who has left the active service of the MI6, following the events of Spectre, is recruited by the CIA to rescue a kidnapped scientist who may um, hold this possible um, massive uh, weapon of sorry weapon of mass destruction which leading to a showdown with a new powerful adversary towards the end of this film so this was this is really interesting as we had you know ended with specter where he kind of rode off in the sunset with this girl um madeline, madeline swan um played by leah zadow um if i said that wrong i apologize uh hope you're not listening i hope you are actually give us numbers but uh this is really interesting to see, you know, it's kind of one of those interesting tropes where this hasn't been seen in Bond quite often where Bond, you know, gets back in there. Um, but this was kind of really exciting to see that he was going to kind of get get back into, into the game. And um, what I think was interesting about this film also was it kind of followed this whole theme from the very get-go of Casino Royale, uh, or the ending of Casino Royale, more like it. The Daniel Craig's Bond has, you know, his weakness was his trust. And also his strength was his distrust. So I thought that was really interesting as it kind of takes the whole full circle, um, the beginning of this film and end, uh, back to the original. Yeah, him falling in love with Madeline and Spectre, uh, that's really the first girl that he really falls in love with again since Vesper. And even the beginning of No Time to Die, you know, she brings up this whole, they're in this lovely town in Italy and they're like, you have to, you need to go to her grave and you need to kind of like let that go. You need to move on. And it's like, if you can do that, then I, you know, will tell you anything. And so this whole opening scene, it's a gorgeous, you know, like big, you know, that's actually the big scene you see in the trailers with the car that has the gun. Um, but he goes up to Vesper's grave and also it explodes. And he realizes that, oh, they're uh, under attack. And then it leads to this awesome just chase scene. That has the awesome shot in the trailer where he jumps off the bridge and grabs like the wire and like, you know, flips around and then he's taking out guys, gets the car and you can tell instantly he's just upset because he's like, how did they know we're here? How did Spectre know? And she's really playing it off like, I didn't know they were going to be here. And then 
he has this awesome chase scene with the car and then gets around a train and then it's like you know i have to do this you have to be we, we can't be because you know no matter where i go someone's gonna know and yeah death follows and yeah death follows so it jumps to five years later and it's yeah, yeah bond is he's retired he's not a secret service member anymore and he's he's done and we have this whole plot that starts to unravel that gets him back in the game. Uh, and we have this new character played by Rami Malek, who is Lucifer Safine, um, who is, he's kind of like, uh, he's like a revenge mission for Spectre. And uh, he has a bit of history with Madeline, which we get this whole opening, the, the, the prologue of the film uh, with his little Phantom of the Opera mask. Uh, creepy we start to unravel that there's something going on there is this threat and he is the one who's behind it and we find out that is it is this chemical device that if you it it has the capability to target people based on their dna and if it targets them it will kill them you know very quickly uh give me a little bit more of you know a lot of these movies have not gone so far into the a little bit outlandish but kind of having a little bit more of that old school bond element of like the biological weapon that, you know, it's like, this really makes it a big threat for this film that like, it's no longer just a, you know, like obviously Skyfall was to, was trying to hurt M Spectre was to, you know, take over these, uh, you know, these organizations like MI6. This makes it a global situation where it's like, we have to stop this man because if this stuff gets out, it's going to take out billions of people. And it's, it becomes a much more giant threat than just an individual who's being attacked situation. I will say there's a lot of great action in this movie. It has some really cool like locations. Like I love that whole sequence. They're like in the woods at one point and it's, like, oh, very it's all foggy. foggy and everything. Yeah. And they have like these cool moments where it's like guys are shooting and, like you just see the bolts ricocheting. Like at one point a car like flips over, you know, Bond's taking out guys. And there's a great whole section in Cuba uh, where we get um, we get this character played by Anna de Armas. Um, she's only in the one scene. It's like she's like in the one sequence in Cuba. Uh, so she's not really a Bond girl per se. She's like a, a CIA agent that's working for Felix. And um, that's a whole cool scene where like they end up realizing it's like a whole group of Spectre people. And the Spectre, that whole new chemical weapon actually kills everyone there that is Spectre. Um, and we realize that Blofeld has actually been running these like meetings through a digital eye. So at some point in jail, he got this digital eye. So they realize, all oh, right, who, who do we need to go to talk to to figure out who this person is? Got to go back to the original source, go talk to Blofeld. We get Christoph Waltz in this movie for one sequence. And I just felt like it was kind of a waste of time. It was, I agree. I, I agree. didn't feel it was, it was as, uh, I didn't feel like it had as much danger and gravitas as I wanted. And again, because he was kind of underutilized Inspector, I wanted a little bit more payoff for him in this. And it felt like it didn't really happen, um, which is where I'm going to have a lot of my kind of issues with the film as a whole. But what did you think of like this one scene with Blofeld back? I thought, I mean, based on, and this is the problem with trailers, it's good to like not see a trailer before you see a movie. But because, you know, this has been delayed because of COVID and whatnot, but I really, I agree with you about Spectre. I thought Blofeld wasn't um, as menacing as a threat, especially as Blofeld has been a huge staple in the Bond films, um, pre-Daniel Craig. But yeah, it, it kind of felt like he just was like, 
he he could have done that scene from a Zoom meeting. You know, he just he literally just kind of came in. It wasn't very terrifying. There wasn't any the the suspense that I wanted, and he kind of just he felt like he was kind of winging it. You know, he was kind of you know uh, ringing it in. So I, I really wanted more. You know, maybe a couple more scenes even, and I feel like for him to go out. Wanted him to escape at some point. And yeah, he... because he's he's one of the biggest adversaries that in the Bond films predating Daniel Craig, and especially in the novels, he is such a worthy adversary that he continues to get away, change his appearance and such. So they could have done a lot with this character for the future franchise. Yeah, because I wanted him to like escape, and even if he like was, you know, oh, uh, Rami Malek's character is actually oh, he's working for him. And then, you know, he's actually the mastermind behind everything. Or even if like he was escaped and then at some point you see Rami's character kill him. It's like, oh, I get why this character is the bigger threat. It felt like, although I enjoyed the acting and, you know, they had to give him the skin deformity to give him some kind of a Bond villain look. It didn't feel like Rami's character was giving enough material to make him really like stand out above the threat of the chemical weapon itself. And I also felt like the the addition of um, Nomi who played, she's the, the, the new 007. Although I thought like, yeah, you go girl. That's great that they, you know, have a, a, a character taking over that role. And obviously they play a lot with the humor of like, uh, all right, you're going to be 007. You'll be um, uh, this, you know, whatever. I felt like it wasn't like enough for me to be like, okay, like she makes a big deal. Like, I don't think she'll be back in the series as, something else unless they want to bring her back just for an MI6 operative. Um, I thought, you know, she was, she was definitely a help in the whole end sequence. Cause Bond, he's not Superman. He can't take out everybody, but I, I feel like the trailer really made it a big deal. Like she was going to be like, get in my way. I'll shoot you. And it didn't really ever like get to that point. She kind of became buddy, buddy. And then it was just like, give him back 007, give him back the moniker, you know, go ahead. You know? Well, yeah. And it just kind of felt like, we're putting here to make a statement, but not there's no substance where there's a lot of great female action stars. And I think there could have been maybe someone who just had a more of a commanding presence. And it may not even be the actress. I feel like maybe it could have just been better with the writing, better direction with the character. I don't think it's all in the actress, but I think, yeah, they're kind of like we're putting her here to kind of, okay, well, the world's moved on from you. Um, but once you're back in the picture, you're kind of the helper. And it was like, I, I wanted some maybe more scenes where they're kind of like coming at odds. Like I think in the scene where, you know, the, the seal, the specter, you know, agents, and then she's there. It'd been kind of cool if they were like fighting each other, but fighting everyone else. Like they're up at really the same cool. time. Like, yeah, yeah. And there's, and I've seen stuff like, you know, other movies where you've got two people for the same goal, but they're kind of at odds. So there could have been, some really great fight sequences and a little bit more animosity with them. And there wasn't enough scenes where they had that animosity from the beginning, you know, like they kind of like hold this one scene where like, Oh, is she kind of like trying to seduce him? No. Um, I'm just, you know, it's, yeah, I know what you're talking about. There's just not enough substance there for me. Yeah. And the thing too, about this movie, it's two hours, 43 minutes. So like you had easy enough time to fill it with stuff. And I felt like a lot of it was just talking. It wasn't as much, action as i wanted it you know and there's a lot of like too much locale stretch scenes of like let's just follow a car for a long journey you know it's like I'm, we're not watching the shining or dr sleep you know we we, we want to get to the stuff 
And I mean, I'm happy for the, you know, between players, you know, Ray Fines, we have, you know, Jeffrey Wright back, uh, and Felix unfortunately passes in this, uh, you know, Harris back as money penny. Of course, Ben Wishaw as Q is great. Um, but I felt like a lot of the movie, although it was like well shot, it just, I don't know if it, it didn't grip me the way that I was expecting. I will say then going to that Island at the end, the whole like last hour does pick it back up the pace. Um, and you, you get that whole like, Bond is on the secret island where the villain's lair is, and it's this whole giant factory where they're making this stuff. And you know, he's like, I have my poison garden. Uh, come in here and look at all my poisonous, my poisonous plants. And I thought it was like the whole that action sequence at the end when he's just like going up the staircase, and it's all like one shot. You just really get that, like, all right, they they had to hit so many highs because it was his last film. I think they got a little messy with plot and what they wanted to show for his last film and there was you know danny boyle originally was originally going to be directing so there might have been a whole different plot set originally but there's some great moments in the film as a whole i think i'd have to see it a couple more times to really see if i respect it and i can't really know where i put it you know like i love casino royale so much in skyfall specter is a little lower for me and then quantum is the lowest but i don't know where I don't know where this sits yet for me. And, you know, the bold choice of, in the end, Bond sacrifices himself. He, you know, he, he realizes, one, he has a secret daughter with Madeline. And he, you know, in the end, if there's a dastardly thing a villain's ever going to do, it's doing something that knows that they can never be with their family again. Um, so having that vial that is their DNA. So, of course, Bond realizes that he can never touch his daughter or his wife again, because if he did, they would have that chemical weapon and they would die. So him sacrificing himself again, I think is a great way to end his time as Bond because he has been that playboy for a lot of the series. He's been that cheeky humor, but he always does what needs to be done in the end. And so at the end, just understanding, like, I have to just do this. It's like a way to be like, wow, like what an era. And like, as you have someone who's seen all the Bond movies, I don't know, has James Bond ever died before? Or is this the no, first time? This is this is the first. There, there's been a lot of um, there's been a lot of firsts in the Bond. Not many firsts in the Bond film, but this is the first time uh, Bond has ever sacrificed himself. Um, what I will say is, there was only one time where Bond was ever married, and you know what I thought was very interesting was there are some callouts to previous Bond films. I don't know if anyone got this. This might have just been me, but the whole reference to you know, we have all the time in the world. That's kind of the song that ends um, in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, where he loses the love of his life there. So I thought that was a really good turn turnabout. So there's a lot of references to a lot of the other bonds that weren't part of this. So I thought that was really well, you know, well done. I think if you are a Bond fan uh, of the entire series or the books, you're going to see a little bit of references to that. So I thought that was... That was kind of cool. I just I just felt like there was a lot of just some of the music and some of the shots. Um, it was really, really like a nice callback. So I thought that was kind of a unique thing. Yeah, Linus, Linus Sangren here as cinematographer. Um, some fantastic work in this. And, you know, we have Hans Zimmer doing the score and, uh, you know, the No Time to Die song itself performed by Billie Eilish. A lot, like I said, there's a lot of good stuff in this. And like there's stuff that just hasn't been done in a Bond film. So like, I think it's just like, it was a monumental task to 
not only make it a fifth film from him, but make it a last film for him. And like a film where you go, okay, it's definite. He's not going to be able to come back as James Bond. So I don't know where it stands. There's a lot that I enjoyed about it. It was long. I did also see this at 10 o'clock at night. That sometimes does uh, affect. And it was an audience of, I was one of four people in a theater. Uh, I think if I had seen this in like a full audience, like I've seen former Bond movies, maybe it would have swayed a little bit more of how I feel about it. Um, I definitely didn't hate it. Um, it's not like other movies I've seen where I've been like, God, that was trash. I just like, I don't know where it sits yet for me. It's still like hard to process. I have to see it a few times, I think, before I can like properly place it. But no doubt, Daniel Craig is an awesome James Bond. And I just actually read a thing that now that he's done with Bond, a rumored thing that Kevin Feige has actually been wanting him for a long time as a Marvel villain. Um, potentially Dr. Doom or something else. So we could see now Bond become a villain uh, with Daniel Craig. So who knows? Well, we know yeah, Daniel Craig is, you know, some some noticeable, some not. I mean, he's gotten into the Star Wars uh, universe. Yes. <laughs> so why not? But I think, yeah, this is going to be definitely a huge highlight of his career. And I think Daniel Craig, regardless of what, um, you know, thoughts of the film, I think this is just definitely, I agree, and I think Chris will share the sentiment that this was definitely a great final swan song to Daniel Craig's career as James Bond. The old dog still has some new tricks, so uh, definitely worth to take a look. And again, if you haven't watched it, please watch the Being James Bond documentary on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, it's really neat just to see a little bit more behind the scenes, but... We'll definitely, you know, a few years want to revisit all of his films and see them back back again. Because again, the sequential is so neat. But you can now check out No Time to Die in theaters. And that was this edition of Potential Picks. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email the Potential Podcast at Yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.